Girlfriends, episode number nine. There is no one right way. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you doing this week? It's so good to be back here with you. I'm recording this episode a little bit early because I've got um, a lot of travel that I'm doing. My schedule's a little off and I can't count on my usual podcast recording time over the weekend. So I'm actually recording this in Los Angeles. I'm here for the LA Religious Ed Congress that goes on here every year, which is a huge event. And I'm here for Catholic Digest and Catechist Magazines. Um, but it's early, early in the morning here. I'm still on East Coast time. So I'm up real early local time. And I thought it would be a nice quiet time to get some recording in. And funny thing, um, there's actually a guy outside the hotel um, at the convention center where the, the Congress is going on, who's screaming on a megaphone right now. I think um, his main message is Catholics are all going to hell or something like that. <laughs> anyway, I thought it would be a quiet time. It's not turning out to be that, um, but hopefully you won't pick up too much of that uh, condemnation uh, going on across the street while I'm sharing with you here today. So, so something happened online this week that got everybody all worked up, and it'll probably have all blown over. We'll have moved on to the next thing by the time you're listening to this podcast, but I don't care. I still want to talk about this topic because I think it's a really important one. It's one that comes up time and time again. And so I'm calling this show, There Is No One Right Way. And um, so what happened online was there was this article getting spread around about breastfeeding and then a blog post about it. And um, people were kind of sort of, and unfortunately, people in positions of authority were kind of sort of telling women that they're morally obliged to breastfeed and making it a Catholic issue of whether you use a bottle or if you nurse your baby and how long you nurse your baby and Oh my gosh. You know, I just, part of me just rolls my eyes when I see these kinds of controversies take place. But then part of me really wants to address it, um, not for reasons of, of pride or proving people wrong or proving people right, but because I really am worried about vulnerable young moms. I'm really worried about them because I used to be one myself. And I know how vulnerable you can be in your motherhood, especially early on, how People are, are honestly searching for answers. They want to do everything right, especially if your faith means a lot to you. You want to make sure you're not messing it up in some major way. So, you know, when these controversies come up, and it's not always about breastfeeding, and it's, you know, sometimes it's about homeschooling and cloth diapering or attachment parenting or organic eating or whether or not to vaccinate or stay-at-home moms versus working moms or crying it out versus not crying it out. I mean, I could go on. You know what the topics are that we go round and round and round with. And every time these come up, there's at least that kind of veiled assertion that there's one right Catholic way to be a parent. And that is really, honestly, not true. And it can, you know, the, the really ironic thing that I found um, as I've gotten more experience as I've grown older and been a mom for more years is that 
what that one right Catholic way that's understood that you're supposed to be, to be a good Catholic family, to be a good Catholic mom, to, you know, raise good Catholic kids, you know, quotation marks around all of those. Um, it can really vary depending on your circles and who you're hanging out with, because um, they can sometimes be in direct opposition to one another, depending on what's going on in your community and the kinds of people that you're friends with. But I think it's really important that we, we're we careful about how we talk about these things. Because honestly, there is no one right way with regard to uh, breastfeeding or um, cloth diapering or homeschooling, or even though these are important things, these are really important things when you're making these choices about how to raise your kids and how you're going to be a mom to the kids that God gave you. They're important things to think about and talk about and research and, you know, prayerfully make a decision and be open to changing your decision if it, if it doesn't work the way that you thought it was going to and all of that. But it's important to remember that these are not moral choices in the black and white kind of way that our church has definitively spoken on. Things that are black and white like that, our church makes abundantly clear to us. You know, with regard to family life, there's not a lot that the church explicitly tells us about how to raise our kids. For sure, you know, things about like homosexuality or contraceptions, those are the two biggest ones related to family life um, and Catholic sexuality that really are black and white issues with regard to the church. And the church makes it very clear what her teachings are with regard to that. So you know if you're on the wrong side of that. But with regard to these other things, the church does not explicitly teach that you must or must not use a pacifier, or you must or must not ever give your baby a bottle, or you must use attachment parenting, that it's really dangerous when we get into that zone, when we start talking in that way about these issues that are not black and white moral issues the way that some other things are. You know, no one in the church is telling you that you need to bake all your bread from scratch or that you need to use essential oils or whatever it is that you're feeling pressured to do by a Catholic community. And, you know, Catholic community, if you have one and you're surrounded by people who share your faith, that's a very good thing. But you need to be cautious about the fact that, you know, turning to the church's authority on on things is really important to kind of keep your conscience in check there and not be turning to your community just because everybody in your community is doing it this one right way. That doesn't mean it's going to work that way for your family. I've experienced it dozens and dozens of painful times in my own family life where things didn't match up to my ideals. And it's great to have those ideals. It's great to have philosophies that you want to live by and you want to parent by. But it's also important to remember that when it comes down to it, if it's not working for your family, that's okay. You're not less Catholic because of making different choices about some of these topics. So, I mean, the first point I want to make is that we hurt our own families when we give into this kind of thinking that there is one right Catholic way. You know, an example of this is early on in my motherhood, I, um, when my first daughter, Catery, was born, I was the one who had the full-time job. I was the one who had health insurance, and that was really important to us. So I had a very small, I guess it was eight weeks, uh, maternity leave after Catery was born. And then she spent, for the following year, it really was 12 months, um, she spent full-time days with my mom. My mom took care of her. And that was a great situation for me to have. It was a very generous thing that my mom did to support us in our our young family life. It was incredibly painful for me. And it was hard for me to leave my, my little daughter every day. And it didn't match up with what I felt in my heart I was being called to do as a mom. But, you know, looking back, I can see that was a sacrifice that God was calling me to make then. 
And the whole stay-at-home mom versus working mom, I felt all of that pressure, that kind of conflict inside, when really my life circumstances were very clearly telling me, you need to do this right now for this little bit of time. This is the sacrifice that's being asked of you is letting go of those ideals, doing something that you feel is falling short of of what you're... You, you know, the the great calling of motherhood is asking of you. And that was a very painful time for me. That was very difficult, made more difficult by myself for kind of buying into these ideas of there being one right way of having to fit a a cookie cutter way of, of being a good Catholic family, a good Catholic mom. And, you know, that that way of beating myself up even continued when I had our second child, which was Eamon. And um, I was at that point able, Dan had, had work and was finished with school and I was able to be home full time. I was really, really looking forward to really just embracing all things about at-home motherhood. And it was a really very special time for me and as a young mom and in our young family life that I really, I was gung-ho about every bit of it. I, I was into the cloth diapers and I had read up and I was really, really, I attached, this is funny, attached to the idea of attachment parenting. Um, one of the books that I read as I was nursing newborn Amen was... Um, by Sheila Kipley, who I like. I mean, I really, the Kipleys do wonderful things and they're very helpful to a lot of people. And a lot of what they do is very positive and good. But they're one of those people that I hesitate to recommend to people, especially young families, because of that underlying tone of there's one right way. And um, so one of the books that I read was by Sheila Kipley. I think it was called Breastfeeding and Natural Child Spacing, which is a great book. If you want uh, to learn more about how your body works and how your fertility works and how that's related to nursing a newborn and how that can help you with your uh, planning of your family size or spacing of your children, it's really a very informative book and very helpful in that way. But I just devoured that book as I was nursing newborn Amen. And what I came away with it um, with in my heart and in my mind was there's one right way to do this, and it's this way. And now maybe I'm not being fair to Sheila Kipley. Maybe that that was more my defensiveness or my insecurity or my vulnerability at that time in my life that I was reading into those words. But nonetheless, that's what I came away with. And, you know, everybody's bodies are different. Everybody's family lives are different. And I was falling short of what that book told me was supposed to happen inside of my family and with my own body as a result of practicing this ecological breastfeeding. And that was really difficult for me to kind of see that contrast between what the book said was supposed to happen and what was actually happening in my own body, in my own motherhood, in my own marriage. And when those didn't match up, I felt this terrible conflict and I was guilt-ridden and I, I knew there, there must be something wrong with me. There must be something wrong with um, the way that I'm, I'm nursing this baby. With, you know, And th- those pressures that we put on ourselves we hurt ourselves. I, and, you know, in doing that, I robbed myself of some joy that God wanted me to have in that that moment of my young motherhood. Now, you know, I wasn't miserable all the time, but it definitely was something that that left a mark on me and was was a painful thing for me, a painful part of that process of learning who I was going to be as a mom. And I didn't have that confidence that I now think I take for granted. That you know, now someone can offer me an idea and I can I can see its value, or or I can see its value for some other families or other situations and I can make an assessment, you know, pretty quickly, oh, you know, that that's probably not for us and I can easily move on to the next thing. But when you're a young mom, you're really
really vulnerable in that way. And you're really seeking those kinds of answers. You want that black and whiteness. You really do, because there's security in that. I understand that. But that isn't the way it truly is. That isn't the way the world works. So, you know, you're setting yourself up to hurt your own family life and the happiness that God intends for you to have in your own motherhood when you set yourself up in that way. I also think that when we're talking about these different topics, and yeah, we sure do talk about them on Facebook and wherever else. It used to take over blogs back when the blogosphere was bigger than it is now or um, influential in a different way that, you know, when these controversial topics come up and um, moms are discussing them and talking about what's best for families and what's the best way to raise a baby and what's the best way to care for your children, that when we're tempted to engage in these kinds of conversations, I think it's really important that we examine our own motivations. You know, um, some people in online and um, who write books and whatnot are kind of set up in a position of an authority. And I think, you know, there's a lot of good that I think a lot of times these people are are motivated by seeing something very good, whether it's about using NFP or about breastfeeding or about attachment parenting or, um, you know, organic eating. There's, you know, that you're passionate about these things. We're passionate about them because we care so much and we can see this is a good thing. This is doing good things in my family. I'm seeing the good that it's doing in other families. And um, we're, we're, so we're just really motivated by that. We're motivated by wanting to share that good thing with other families. But it's important to really examine what our motivations are because sometimes we're motivated by that passion that we have for good things and we want to help other people have good things in their lives. But sometimes I think we need to admit that our pride is involved in these kinds of conversations, that we're not just looking to help families and moms. Sometimes we're looking to boost our own egos. You know, sometimes we're looking to pat ourselves on the back or set ourselves up as superior to other people. We're, we're looking to, you know, say to other people, I've got it right you're doing it wrong. I'm more Catholic than you. That's a terrible message to send. And it's a terrible way to try to lift your own self up. And yet I think sometimes that is, and I know it has been for me as much as anybody else, that sometimes is what our motivation is when we want to talk about these topics. So it's important to really kind of examine what our own motivations are when we're tempted to take up these kinds of topics with other people, whether it be online or in your own community or in your parish among moms at the playground. I think sometimes there's that competitive edge and it's important to be aware of it. It's important to recognize when you're tempted toward it, you know, kind of think to yourself, what's my motivation here? Am, am I looking to, to, you know, set myself up on this pedestal that I'm superior to these other people making different choices? Or am I looking to share something that's positive and good and worked for me? Because you know what? Which one of those two is your focus is really going to influence your tone and the way that you share these great ideas with other people. Another point I want to make is that we need to be careful about the kinds of assumptions we make about other people when we're talking about these topics in which some people sometimes think there's one right Catholic way to do them. We need to be careful about the kinds of assumptions we make about other people because of the kinds of choices that they've made in their family lives, if their choices are different from ours. Um, one example of this that I experienced in my own life was um, a mom that I knew just kind of as an acquaintance, and we, we both knew each other were Catholic, and we kind of were in some of the same circles. Our kids were in some of the same activities. Um, and basically, all I knew was she was, you know, a nice mom, and she had two kids. And she only knew about me. Oh, she's that mom I see, and she has eight kids. Well, 
for years, we kind of interacted a little bit, um, very cautiously with one another. And, um, you know, then, you know, we were involved in different activities, we kind of grew closer, and we kind of broke down those barriers. And it was only then that we discovered, we were each holding each other at a distance, keeping our, our relationship a little bit removed because of assumptions we were making about the other person and the kind of judgments we thought they'd be making about us. How sad is that? All we knew was the number of children each other had. We didn't know anything about the reasons why or the kinds of family choices that each other had made and, and why they made them and the kinds of values they had. And and when we did come to know those things, we realized we had so much in common and we really respected and admired each other very much. It wasn't that I was judging her, you know, she has two kids and she must be using artificial birth control and blah, blah, blah. I wasn't doing that. I'm, I'm really very careful not to do that. But what it was was more an idea of, you know, she's she's living a very different kind of life than I am. She's looking at me as this crazy Catholic person with all these kids and her life is out of control. That kind of defensive thinking was more in my mind than judgment about her. And then she also was thinking very defensively about me, just knowing that I had eight children and I was Catholic. She had two children. She was Catholic. So the kind of assumption she was making about me was that I would be judging her, that I would be judging her as somehow less Catholic than I am because of the size of her family. And that is so sad. I think, how many times are we missing opportunities, not necessarily because we're judging other people directly, but because we have that kind of insecurity in our own relationships with other people, that we assume other people are judging us. You know, early on when my family very first uh, started to become larger than the average size family, this is a dynamic that I noticed played itself out over and over again in my relationships with other women, was that just by the fact that my family was large, larger than theirs, women were assuming I was judging them. I was making a statement about their lives. And uh, same with things like homeschooling, just knowing that someone homeschools and if you don't, then you feel this judgment. And we, and I recognize it in opportunities where women are uh introducing themselves to me and letting me know a little bit about their lives, they'll say, oh, yeah, I don't homeschool or anything like that. And they're almost apologetic about it. Or, or you know, oh, I, I only have two kids, or I'm, I'm just, I just have one, or whatever it is, just the just is in there. And that kind of defensiveness is in there. And it makes me so sad. I think we need to be more aware of not only the judgments we might be making about other people, because that is definitely a part of this dynamic. But even when you've moved beyond that, what we're what we're projecting onto other people are judgments that we think they're making toward us and we're very defensive about it and that hurts our relationships. So we need to watch out for those kinds of assumptions that we might be making about other people about these kinds of topics and making different kind of parenting choices. So, you know, all of this is just a reminder that we really need to keep our eyes on our own paper, you know, just like in elementary school, the you're not supposed to be looking around at what everybody else is doing. God gave you a very particular vocation. He gave you a very particular marriage. He gave you a very particular motherhood if you're a mom and relationships with the people in your life and in your community. He knows all about those circumstances and how unique and particular they are to you. So looking all around you is nothing but a distraction. Looking to compare yourselves with other people, whether it's to boost yourself up or to beat yourself up, that's not what God wants for you. So, you know, the, I always remember that the communion of saints is a wonderfully diverse thing. Think of all the different kinds of saints out there. Some of them are 
so off the wall and weird to me. And yet that's very encouraging to me. You know, you read these lives of the saints and the crazy things they did or the lives that they led. And it's really very empowering and encouraging to think about that, that how diverse that is. And yet they all shared that same goal of heaven and got themselves there, that there were lots of different ways of doing that. And it's a beautifully diverse thing inside of our church. So when it comes to these things that we're passionate about, we need to avoid hurting our own families and avoid hurting our own parenthood and the joy that God means for you to find in your family life by comparing yourself with others. We also need to examine our motivations when we're tempted to engage in those shouting matches on these topics. Think about what's motivating you to say what you're going to say because your motivations are going to color how you say those things and how other people receive them. And then watch out for those kinds of assumptions that we might be making about other people very defensively, might be making judgments about other people and assumptions about them and what they're thinking about you because of the different kinds of family choices that they've made. And then finally, let's all keep our focus on our own work, our own call to holiness. We're not finished yet. We're not perfected yet, so we cannot afford the time and energy that we spend looking at other people. We need to be focused on our own unique callings, our own vocations, the, the particular unique way that God is calling you to holiness in your life right now. And so if we can all do that, no one will have anything to talk about on Facebook anymore, right? Right. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. I am super excited that Catherine Barron is joining us here this week at Girlfriends. Catherine and her husband, Mac, are co-hosts of Catholic in a Small Town podcast, which is one of my favorites. I'm a huge fan. So I was thrilled she took the time to talk with us. And she's just lovely and real and funny and just so relatable in the podcast. And she's the same here in our little chat. So thanks for coming on, Catherine. You guys check it out. Today is an awesome day here at Girlfriends because we get to welcome a special guest. Catherine Barron is here with us, and I'm so excited for you to meet her. Catherine Barron is an ER nurse and a homeschooling mom of four boys. She occasionally blogs at CatherineBarron.com. We'll link that up in the show notes. She and her husband, Mac, are Catholic converts who have been married for 16 years, and here's where you might know her from. For the last 10 years, the two of them together have produced the Catholic in a Small Town podcast. I'm a huge fan of that podcast. Listen to every episode, so I know everything about you, Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) And on the show, you might want to check it out if you don't already listen. They talk about raising boys, scouting adventures, teaching, ER work, while keeping the world informed of what's entertaining them, and through it all, how everything they do relates to their faith. Welcome, Catherine. I'm so glad you're here on Girlfriends. Good afternoon, Danielle. Thanks for coming. I am just thrilled. Like I said, I'm a big fan of your podcast. And I mean, I it's so funny. I said the same thing to Jennifer Willits when she came on, but it's true. I feel like it's not fair because I know a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I We get that a lot, actually. It is a little weird how having complete strangers kind of sometimes know more about your life than you do because after you do a podcast, you kind of forget what you said. Right. And then people will come back later and go, don't you remember when you said so-and-so? And you're like, no. I really don't. I don't remember that at all. 
<laughs> See, you're just continuing. It's exponential, blessing the world's the world in ways you've completely forgotten about. It's, That's right. <laughs> it's the beauty of podcasting. <laughs> okay, well, as you know, Catherine, we ask the same questions of everybody who dares come here on Girlfriends. And um, as a way of kind of highlighting the ways in which we women are alike, the kinds of challenges we all share in common, which is always encouraging to know about, but then also sharing our different perspectives and highlighting the ways in which we're different, which are really beautiful and it can be very affirming in our vocations. So to get us started, we'll start with the first one. Can you tell us about a time when you really felt like you triumphed? When did you first ever feel a sense of achievement or success, whether it was with your work or in your personal life? Well, um, I read over all of your uh, questions ahead of time. Nice. And, uh, did your homework. That's right. I did my homework, um, which it's kind of funny to, to think about this question when you first sent them a, a few days ago. I was like, wait, oh, hmm. <laughs> They're tough. Yeah, they are. They are really tough. And, and one of the things I thought about this particular question is um, why this was hard for me. I think it, part of it is because as women, I think we're taught like not to brag mm-hmm. about ourselves um, in, in, in any area, really, even if you do feel like, Hey, I did a really good job with that, you know, and, and plus you don't want to make anybody else feel bad. You're like, yeah, I did really good with this, but maybe you didn't. And that's okay. That's your, (laughs) that's your deal, but that's fine. Right. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to mention some things, but I guess as a woman, I feel like I have to say that if if you've had a struggle with this, that's okay. (laughs) It is okay. You know, it's okay to say that. And I completely understand what you're saying there. Cause I think we all have that struggle. But that's part of why I like to do this, because I don't think we often enough do recognize the good stuff. And it's important to do that. Well, so professionally speaking, I think nursing is kind of a strange profession, because you might go into work one day, and maybe it's true for everybody. um, But I I think uh, you can really get some highs and lows, um, especially in the ER. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Some days, it's really just a day to day thing, like you might go in and what feels really good is to just make somebody feel better in the midst of a crisis, you know, you, where I feel like, um, you know, I've been a nurse for 15 years now. And so there, there are days when I I feel like, you know what, I got this thing down. I'm good. You know, I, I hit every vein that I, that I stick. (laughs) Um, I feel like I, I'm keeping control of my environment and keeping things moving. And then there are days when it just doesn't work like that at all, Mm -hmm. but definitely, um, I live in a small town. A lot of the people that come in are people that I have known my whole life. And so to sort of see their faces kind of light up when they walk in the door and they know you mm-hmm. and they go, okay, okay, this is a bad moment, but there's Catherine. I know right. Catherine. That's Catherine's going to make okay. me feel better. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. So th- those are really nice moments. And um, being able to comfort maybe a parent who's got a kid that's sick, you know, where you, you really can say, look, this is going to be okay. We're going to get you where you need to be. And, um, and you're going to, you guys are going to be all right. This is going to be fine. Let's, we, we can do this. We can, we can make this better. Um, those are, those are really, really nice moments. Yeah. Um, now, um, personally, and I feel like in a lot of ways, um, I'm on kind of the other side of this because my kids are a little older now. And so trying to find sort of daily accomplishments as they're older, I think is a little harder because I can look back on my early mothering and um, I, I home birthed two of my children. And wow. at the time, you know, I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I did that because that's what I wanted to do. But when you tell other people <laughs> I home birthed two of my children, they're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> I really did that. And it was you know? okay. <laughs> it, was, it was fine. You know, it hurt. Yeah, sure. It hurt. <laughs> but I, I made that happen. And, and I, you know, th- that was a, a 
sort of uh, decision that I made early on, um, even before I had kids, that I wanted to have my kids naturally. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, you know, I was able to um, to do that. I, yeah. I, the, I had, the situation was right for that. It's not right for everybody, mm-hmm. um, but it was right for me. And all three of my boys that I um, that are mine, our oldest child is actually adopted. So when I talk about my three, it's because they're my biological children. Right. Um, I actually uh, was able to breastfeed all three of them well into their second year um, with all of them. And that was another sort of like goal that I set for myself as a mom, even before I had kids. Like there was a decision I made. This is what I want to do. And I was able to do that. And it's something I can always feel really good about Yeah, that I gave them that sort of best start right at the beginning. Right. Um, so like I said, it's a little bit harder now that they're older. <laughs> not really breastfeeding anymore. <laughs> no, not breastfeeding anymore. Uh, but to find those days of accomplishment, I, I think it's a little bit harder now to say, mm-hmm. you know, as a mom, when am I hitting those goals and what are my goals now as a mother? And, and because your kids are such individuals, they, and my husband and I actually uh, just had this discussion last night. Like they, they are their own people. Mm-hmm. You can't really control them That's in the, the worst, same. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a ten-year-old, as a thirteen-year-old, you know, you can't control them in the way that you could in right. a lot of ways when they were two. You can't make the decisions for them anymore. And um, for those of you that listen to our podcast, um, you know this. But if you if you don't, our our middle son Sam um, has actually he's sort of, he's his own little person and, and he's kind of doing the whole, like, I don't want to go to church. I don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to have anything to do with that with us right now. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest struggles that we as a couple have faced um, with our kids. And I know that it's not the last. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, there isn't just one and you're done. (laughs) Uh, I wish. I so wish. (laughs) Yeah. But thanks for sharing about that, because I think that's something that a lot of people do end up struggling with is, you know, not being able to control your child's faith. Um, Like, what are you talking about? What? This isn't my job. It's the Holy Spirit's. You know, I think it's it's important to keep that in mind. And I love that you shared your feeling of accomplishment in your early motherhood with each of your children, too, because I found the same thing was that it was very empowering to just come to that realization. Because, you know, when you're having your first baby, you have no idea what's going on and you feel like you're not prepared for any of it. But then to just realize through labor and through nursing, like, oh, like my body can do this. Like, you know, it's really an empowering thing. And, you know, whether or not you have a natural birth or whether or not you're able to breastfeed, there's some level of that, I think, in every woman's experience of motherhood. And I love that it it happens early on because you really need that shot in the arm. Like, hey, you were built for this. That's right. And and then that's something I, I personally, and I think it's helpful to try to carry that into our future years of motherhood when we get to those trials, like you talked about, that it's not quite so clear, but you know what? You still were built for this. You were still made for this. You're, you know, you're the mom and it's, it's really important to keep that in mind. So I, I like that you, you shared about that because it, it can be helpful to just kind of remember back to those early days when you were really kind of struggling to find out who you were and there it was, and it was clear as day, like, this is your baby and you're, you're this baby's mom and it's meant to be. <laughs> it's meant to be, he's mine. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, there's the triumphs. How about we move on to some mistakes? Can you, oh, no. Can you no, tell us about a mistake you once made? It could be professional. It could be personal. It could be funny. We've had some people share some really funny stories here. Um, um, and what'd you learn? So professionally speaking, as nurses, we don't like to talk about this. <laughs> no, nurses don't make mistakes. No. No, Moving never. on. 
Never made mistakes. <laughs> um, the great thing about nursing is, especially if you make some hopefully minor mistakes, you know, fairly minor mistakes early on, is you're you're able to actually learn from them, um, and and hopefully avoid some bigger mistakes later. I mean, that's certainly the goal <laughs> is mm-hmm. to learn from those mistakes and then move on. Um, so I don't, I don't know that there's anything big that stands out. There's certainly been some moments where I, I gave the wrong medication or gave too much, but not, you know, so much that it uh, did any damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, absolutely learn from that. Learn to, to be very careful um, in my professional life with the things that I do and the medications that I give. Um, personally speaking, and I, it's so funny because I, when I read this question, I hadn't even thought about this particular thing. But if I could go back in time and and do something differently, uh, this this would be it. Um, mm-hmm. After my son Jude was born, um, I guess maybe he was like maybe six months old. I had some issues, um, uh, female issues, and went to my doctor, and he sort of immediately scheduled me for a, a DNC. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of said, okay, sure, and and went ahead and went along with that. And um, and I don't know. And um, again, for those of you who don't listen to our podcast, we we have three, and our youngest is six, almost seven, and we have had one miscarriage since then, and have had no more pregnancies. And I have no idea why. There's been, you know, we haven't used birth control, or we try to be very faithful to the church's teaching on this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I feel like, and uh, a lot of women struggle with secondary infertility. Sure. And uh, in this particular case, I sometimes look back at that DNC and wonder if um, it, it maybe isn't the reason that I uh, oh. have had my infertility. Because there is a real, medically speaking, you can have some scar tissue sure. uh, post-DNC. And, but, you know, I can't go back in time. And I didn't really know that at the time. My doctor didn't talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, hey, now this isn't really a serious issue. So, you know, you might want to just wait and let's see if this works itself out. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then we can come back in a few months and then, you know, and then we can revisit it. Right. Um, he, he never really said that to me. And even as uh, a nurse and somebody who, you know, thinks a lot about every sort of medical decision, right. I never even questioned it. And so um, I think definitely if I could go back in time, I would not have had that surgery. And when I had my miscarriage, um, I chose to just, you know, I didn't, I just wrote it out and, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't have a DNC um, with that one. Definitely just to kind of, I I had to kind of, I felt like I had learned my lesson. Yeah. So that, that's probably one of the biggest, um, looking back over my life, that's probably one of the biggest regrets that I have. Wow. personally speaking. So, yeah. Yeah. And whether or not it was related to your future fertility issues, you know, I think that the the important advice there is maybe not making quick decisions like that about your health. And, and, you know, it's something that's so easy. I know I do it and I did it a lot more when I was younger because I'm generally a healthy person and, oh, the doctor says, oh, okay. You know, and I think it's really important for us to pause and especially before taking on a certain procedure, maybe do your research, maybe talk to people who've had it done. And, um, but that's something I think we all do that, and that maybe we need to take that time and prayerfully consider decisions like that. So Absolutely. And that's not to say that, you know, ultimately I wouldn't have made the decision. Right. You might have done the same thing. I might have done the same thing, but I think I, I wish I had just, you know, taken a few moments, step back and and um and, and really tried to decide is this does this warrant, 
you know, right. what are the risks, the risks versus the benefits, I think is really the biggest thing when considering any, any medical, medical sure. procedure. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, okay. Moving on. We've got time for one more question. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received? Who gave it to you and how do you try to implement it in your life? This one's easy for me, actually. Okay. Um, this, my mom who passed away in 2012 from breast cancer, um, when I was a, a, a young mom, she once said to me, and she, I'm the oldest of six children, and she, uh, one of my sisters is adopted, my, actually my cousin, her niece, who came to live with us when she was young, and then I had a, the brother that was just below me, he and my mom had a stormy, stormy relationship. Uh-huh. And, um, he actually ended up passing away just from a, he had an asthma attack, just fluke, crazy, crazy thing when wow. he was 18. And so my mom had been, and her, she had lost her parents when um, she was in her 30s. And so she, I mean, my mom... <laughs> She had been through it just in terms of, you know, sort of every kind of thing that could sort of get thrown at you as a parent, as a daughter, as a sister, you know, she had, she had been through that. Yeah, a lot. And so one time I was dealing with, I had to have been Sam because he, oh my gosh, he's always been sort of my, my, my (laughs) crying child. Your your path to heaven. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) But when he, and this was so funny, he was like three years old. He was going to preschool. And every day he would get up and we would fight about him changing his shirt. He loved his um, the shirts that he wore to bed. Mm-hmm. They were like the Batman, you know, the Batman pajamas. Oh, yeah. Batman pajamas. Loved them. And he always wanted to wear those shirts to school. And we would fight about it every day. And <laughs> so I finally ended up talking to my mom about it. And she said, Catherine, does it really matter whether or not he wears the shirt to school. Let him wear the shirt to school. This does not matter. This is not worth the fight. She said, you know, you will find things as a mom that are worth the fight, you know, that are worth the arguing, that are worth, you know, worth the late night. You know, those, those times will come, but you need, you need to be able as a parent to say to yourself, this just doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? So but, important. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, the certain haircut they have, or, you know, as long as it's not inappropriate, the clothes that they have on, you know, mm-hmm. just let it go, <laughs> let it be, you know, there'll be plenty of things to fight about later. Just enjoy your, try to enjoy your kids. I think it's really what her advice was, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really try to focus on the, on the things that matter the most in life, the things that are all about, you know, obviously faith is a hard one. Um, and, and certainly safety issues are, you know, the right. line and line in the sand thing, <laughs> the rest of it, you know, just let it go. <laughs> right. I love that. That is such great advice for every parent and really anybody in life that like yeah. choosing your battles thing. And yep. I know, you know, you describing the shirts, I've certainly had similar experiences. And a lot of times I have to make myself stop as I'm driving myself and my kid and saying, what, what's at stake here? And usually right. it's, it's my parental pride. Like yes. I don't want the other moms to see my kid wearing this mismatched outfit or I don't want the other moms to, you know, know X, Y, or Z, but it doesn't hurt anybody. Right. <laughs> so sometimes really sanity saving to let those things go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for your lightning round. Catherine. Okay. Do you think you're ready for this? Into the, into the interview pop quiz. I'm ready. Yes, okay. you totally are. Here we go. This is Catherine Barron's lightning round on Girlfriends. All right, Catherine, have you and Mac ever gotten in a fight while recording a podcast? Oh, constantly. <laughs> Does, you use the it. delete a lot. <laughs> 
we call it marriage therapy. This is why we call the podcast marriage therapy. Okay, you got to put together all those clips that you're, you're tempted to delete and make one epic podcast. No, we have to stop the show for those. The okay, all awesome. right. All right, what is something that most surprised you about being a mom of boys? Oh, wow. Um, the amazing disaster that the bathroom is. <laughs> 30 minutes after you clean it. Oh, yeah. It's a hopeless case. Absolutely. (laughs) So what, um, years from now, St. Catherine Barron will be the patron saint of what? People who can't get up in the morning. (laughs) Okay, we'll take it. I'll pray to you. (laughs) All right. Your house is burning down. You can save yourself, your family, and one thing. What is the thing you're going to save? Um, we, our, my family has a copy of Gone with the Wind uh, from 1939 nice. that my great grandmother wrote notes in. Oh my gosh! I think I like that's indispensable. I, like I love. I just think it's so cool. I think that's probably what I would grab. Beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. you gotta save that. Oh, yeah. Great. Well, that's it. You survived your lightning round. That was not too bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> We'll survive. We'll survive. Yeah, you did great. All right. But before we have to say goodbye, maybe you can just tell us something good going on in your world. What are you up to these days and what's exciting you? Um, wow. Well, you know that Mac and I have been doing the podcast thing. Actually, it will be 10 years in June. We'll be our, our, our anniversary. anniversary. That's exciting. But also, um, we both turned 40 this year. So it's kind of like a milestone kind of year. So Mac and I both turned 40. We do our, you know, our, our 10th year anniversary for the podcast. So we're actually taking a couple of big trips coming up. Oh, good. We're going to go to Oregon and see the Pacific coast. Neither one of us have ever seen it. Nice. And then in the summer, we're so looking forward to this. We're going to escape the heat of Georgia and uh, take a trip to Maine with our kids. And again, just, I I don't, I, I am a total um, planner when it comes to vacations. It's one of the things I love to do. Uh And so I am super excited about that right now. And if you listen to our podcast, then you'll get to hear all about it. The epic adventures of the Baron family. Now, when you go out to Oregon, is it going to be all of you or just you and Mac? Just me and Mac. That's our 40th birthday trip. Beautiful. Well, enjoy it. And we look forward to hearing about it. Thanks so much for coming on, girlfriends, today, Catherine. And thanks, too, for all that you do, you and Mac, together to share from your your hearts and share good humor in a realistic way that's really encouraging. I just think what you guys do on the podcast is so very needed in today's world. Thank you so much, Danielle. I've had a great time. Thanks. God bless you. You too. So wasn't that fun? I just love Catherine and everything that she does on the Catholic in a Small Town podcast. So definitely check that out. Well, now it is time for our weekly girlfriend shout out. And this week I heard from Melissa Hicks, and I am choosing her for this week's shout out because she wrote to share about something positive going on in her life. She wasn't looking for a shout out. She was just trying to give me a little feedback about beating the winter blahs. And here's what Melissa shared. I really enjoyed your latest podcast. Living in Rochester, New York, we experienced the cooped up winter blahs for several months of the year. Your podcast inspired me to do a second family cook-off challenge this weekend. We did this activity last year after being stuck inside one winter weekend watching some cooking challenge shows on a food network. Our oldest daughter, then nine, asked if we could do a breakfast cooking challenge. She competed against my husband and me. Our two youngest children, then four and seven, were the judges. Our seven-year-old came up with the ingredient or theme we had to use at each challenge. First, it was pretzels, then graham crackers, and third, a camping theme. Our daughter won, and we all had so much fun. We're excited for round two this Saturday. So thanks so much for the Girlfriends Podcast. 
I've shared a couple of episodes with friends, some of whom are non-Catholic, and they've enjoyed it too. So that's from Melissa Hicks. Good job, Melissa. I am thrilled with your idea of a cooking challenge. I think that that shows so much creativity, and it's such a family-friendly, fun activity that you can do even when you're all cooped up in the house. So thank you for sharing that and for reaching out in the way that you did and sharing that positive event in your life. This week's shout-out is for you. Way to go. You are my hero. This shout-out's for you, girlfriend. Now, maybe like Melissa, you're doing things to beat the winter blahs in your family, in your home life. So if you are, if you're having success in that way, or if you're having success in any way, or if you know of somebody who you think deserves a shout-out, like in previous weeks when um, women have shared with me the good things that their friends are doing and that they think deserve some encouragement, some support, and some applause, if that's going on with somebody in your life or if it's going on in, in your life, in your own personal home life, let me know. Give me feedback, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to hear from you so we can all support and encourage and share with one another here on Girlfriends. That's what it's all about. Listen up, girlfriends. It's time for the weekly challenge. We got this. So as always, I'm going to leave you with a challenge this week, and um, it's going to be one that's related to the topic we've been talking about. This week, we've been talking about how there is no one right way with regard to family life or parenting. When it comes to Catholicism, there are very few hard and fast black and white rules about the right way to do this. So this week's challenge is for you to examine your feelings and your thoughts regarding some of the topics that we talked about, some of those controversial things that people get worked up about. And challenge yourself, you know, ask yourself some questions about what your attitude is about these things and what your attitude is about people who might choose differently from you. What kinds of assumptions do you make about other people, even if it's just defensively or out of your own insecurity? What kinds of assumptions are you making about other people that might not be accurate? Just to examine your life in that way and challenge yourself in that way. It doesn't have to lead to any action, but I'm hoping it'll lead to a little more thought about the ways that we approach these topics and hopefully change the way that we approach these topics when we're talking with one another in a positive way. So do that and let me know how it's going for you. Let me know what you think about what I've shared here today. Let me know what your thoughts are about these hot button topics and the ways that we can approach them. If you have something to share, let me know, danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a voicemail. You can uh, send your own audio file or you can click that voicemail feedback tab that's always available at daniellebean.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to add your voice and your perspective to the podcast. And as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for making Girlfriends a part of your week. It means so much to me. I want this podcast to serve you and serve your needs. So please tell me how I can better do that. Thanks for your comments on Facebook and Twitter and on the show notes at daniellebean.com. I'm so grateful for your presence here. And I want to make our time together as helpful, supportive, encouraging, and as meaningful as possible. And now until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.